Well, this week is an exciting week, and I'm going to tell you about it here in one second. You're listening to Coffee House Questions. This is Ryan Polly. I've been thinking about a new way of starting the podcast, and hey, there is a different way of doing it. Uh, this week is an exciting week because on Tuesday marked the one-year anniversary for the Coffee House Questions podcast. The blog is uh, going to be two years old here in May, uh, but the podcast was started last year at the end of February, February 28th, and I cannot believe that one year is already over. If you have started listening within the last year, at the very beginning, I kind of told the story of how it started. I was taking an interterm class at Biola University with Jay Warner Wallace, the cold case homicide detective of cold case Christianity. And we were talking about his book and studying his book, God's Crime Scene, and the evidence for the existence of God that we see in our universe. And I don't remember exactly what he said, but the way that I remember it and the way that I took it was go out and start a podcast. Go out and, and, and use the information that you are learning. Why, why would we sit through classes? Why would we sit through it and spend the time studying all of this information just to keep it inside of us? And his encouragement to the class was go out and get the information out there. And since I was already doing a blog, the idea of starting a podcast intrigued me. However, my immediate thoughts were, I have no idea what I'm doing. Uh, I've never even thought about this before. I don't know how it would work. There's no way I can do this. But I walked up to him after the end of the class and I said, hey, what's going on with this whole podcast thing? Uh, how would it work? Uh, I don't think I could really do it. And he looked at me and said, oh, yeah, it's easy. You could do it. No problem. Uh, he said something similar to that. But that, again, that's the, that's the way I remember it happening. And so I left that class thinking, okay, maybe I can do this. And I just started Googling, how do you do a podcast and how does this even work? And that was at the end of January. And one month later, I recorded my first podcast. And there have been changes since the beginning. I started out recording them on my phone uh, with the headphones that come with it, the earbuds that come with the iPhone. Uh, that was my mic. And kind of upgraded a little bit to a little lapel mic I spent uh, probably 20 bucks on uh, on Amazon and and just have gone through some changes and 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 I say this over and over and because it's so true you know I I did it because I thought well if anything this is going to help maybe with my speaking and and learning how to put my thoughts into words and working on the way that I say things and if anything I will have a storehouse of information of, of recorded episodes that I can go back and reference uh, for other reasons and and was literally honestly blown away at the response of people that started listening and that still do and at the end of the year I kind of put out some some statistics uh, for the year uh, 2016 and I haven't updated those or really looked at them recently. But I was blown away at, at, at that this podcast has been downloaded now uh, over 6,000 times and in over 100 countries. And maybe this is an encouragement to you, listener, that it doesn't take a whole lot of money um, or knowledge in something to really make 
an impact in, in more than our area. You know, as a missionary, I'm used to short-term mission teams and, and myself going and fundraising and, and, and taking a lot of time and, and energy and finances to, to go over to another country and to share a message. And, and I know that this doesn't compare to that. I'm not saying that at all. Uh, that is still so necessary and needed is that in-person uh, contact. But what I am trying to say is that it, we don't only uh, need that. It's not like, well, you have to either go or nothing. That there is a way that we can all make an impact. And we are all going to reach different people. And so I want to encourage you the same way that I was encouraged. Um, it's doable. It's easy. It can be done. And I want to encourage you in that. And so I'm just happy to celebrate one year of podcasting and working on this uh, ministry of Coffee House Questions. Really cool things happened in the first year. I was able to interview uh, my mom, Rose Polly, the author of Desperate Hope Book, a few times as she discussed her story. I sat down with Sean McDowell, Jay Warner Wallace, and Dan Britton while at Summit Ministries. Um, and since then, I've had the opportunity of, of interviewing other apologists, um, people like Alan Schleeman, as he talked about homosexuality and transgender issues. I talked to Megan Alman on abortion. Uh, I also discussed the atheist who didn't exist with Andy Bannister, the story of reality, parts one and two with Greg Kokel. And just the opportunity to do some great interviews. Also, a couple weeks ago, I was able to sit down with my roommate and discuss the secularization of culture. And so I have just been having a lot of fun, and I hope that you guys have enjoyed listening to it. Again, I'm still working on getting more interviews and uh, having email conversations with people. And just thinking of new ways of presenting information in a unique way and uh, to hopefully uh, better equip people to work with students or to help students think critically and intellectually about the Christian faith. And so I have loved it and uh, I'm excited to continue on. And so um, I just want to thank you guys for listening. Um, Oh, I forgot to mention, uh, I haven't mentioned this in a while, I don't think, but um, also, uh, within the first year, having the opportunity to team up with Active Reliance Radio. And so if you are listening uh, on Active Reliance Radio, thank you so much. I appreciate you guys as well. And just wherever it is that you're hearing this uh, podcast. And so I really do appreciate all that's happened. And I'm looking forward to the future. And And I just want to say that if you have any comments or questions and things that you would like to see or hear or ways to do it differently, I want to encourage you to reach out to me. And there's always ways to communicate. The um, I mention them all, every week. You can send your emails in to contact at coffeehousequestions.com. The Facebook page, facebook.com slash coffeehousequestions is a great way to send a message. Uh, and also just to follow the blog posts and, and everything that's going on. There, you can also find me on Twitter, RyanPolly3, Instagram as well, uh, and then also the Google Voice number for text message questions or comments at 714-989-6927. So hopefully a lot of different ways to get connected and to let me know your questions and ways that I can help you out. One thing that's really exciting, and, and I mentioned last week, is just the ability for me to do some more speaking engagements. That's one thing that I've been working on. 
And I wrote a talk a couple weeks ago that I gave um, at my high school called Everyone Has to Start Somewhere. And what I was trying to do was find a very unique approach to the existence of God, to students who do not believe in God, and finding a way to show them uh, that God exists why and why it matters for them, why they should even care about it. And I, I that was the topic of last week's podcast. And so if you want to kind of hear about that talk, you can go uh, and listen to that one from last week. But I also haven't been doing a whole lot of work lately because, well, I've been doing a whole lot of work. It just hasn't been blogging and podcasting. I have uh, four speaking opportunities coming up. Uh, tomorrow, Friday the 3rd of March, I'll be speaking at a youth group here in Southern California. And I'm writing a new talk for that one as well, uh, titled World, World Religions, Can They All Be True? And it's helping students understand how can we disprove uh, religions? How can we put the religion to the test to help us understand what is true and what we should follow? The next week, I'll be at that same youth group again as they wanted me to talk about the um, conflict or the apparent conflict of science and faith. And can our science and faith compatible. And so we're going to be looking at some of the scientific discoveries and showing how science actually points to the existence of God rather than disproving God. And so that's on the 10th of March at that youth group. On the 12th of March, I will be speaking at Rock Harbor Church, uh, going along with their series in Luke, and I'll be covering Luke 10, 1 to 24. And so I'm very excited about that. That meets at Cal State Fullerton in the Titan Student Union Building at 10 a.m. And so if you're in the area, uh, I'd love to uh, see you there at Rock Harbor Fullerton uh, on Sunday, the 12th of March. And then another one in April, I believe uh, on the 27th, if I have that date right, at the Reasonable Faith Culver City Chapter. Uh, and we will be talking about creation versus evolution. And so those are four opportunities coming up. And just know that you can go to coffeehousequestions.com. Uh, there's a speaking page that you can look at talks that I have, as well as uh, if I have the time, uh, suggest something that you are kind of looking for and we'll see what I can do. And so uh, I'm just really excited for all the things that are just happening. And the hope is that the talk tomorrow night on World Religions uh, will be recorded and the plan is to get it posted online shortly. And so I'll be letting you know uh, in the future when that is available for you to watch. But as I kind of jump in and reflect on this last year of podcasting, the, the thought always comes to mind is, why do I keep doing this? Why do I spend the time to sit down and, and plan out these podcasts and write blog posts and and speak at churches and youth groups in my school and, and teach theology and apologetics and worldview every single day to almost 100 high schoolers? And, you know, why do I keep doing this? And, and I keep bringing this topic up, but it really is because I see the culture of the United States turning more and more secular. There are influences on our students today uh, like we haven't had before. And if there's ever a time to step up and help students clearly understand what Christianity is and why they should believe it, I think today is that time. And as I am finishing up, uh, the last two weeks I've been working with my classes, 
and teaching um, sociology and how different worldviews approach sociology. In the introductory chapter, it, it went over some shifts that we are seeing in American culture. And I just wanted to share a few of these with you and discuss them uh, in the rest of the time that we have together today. The first one is that millennials, and this is defined as those being born between 1980 and 2001, have the lowest level of church attendance of any generation in American history. Those between 1980 and 2001. So we're talking uh, 16 to 36, right? 37. Um, 16 to 37 years old. uh, That age group has the lowest level of church attendance in any generation in American history. And I think that there are a lot of reasons for that. But a couple that I want to emphasize are this. First... I think that young people are having a hard time fitting in in church. And there's two things that I want to point out here. First, I was asked to give a talk on uh, are science and faith compatible at this youth group because they had mentioned that they see science and faith being in conflict. And one of their students had left the church, graduated high school, went to college, and he came back and said, I can't be a Christian anymore. I'm going to be a scientist. And that saddens me and it blows my mind. And I think, why is it that young people have this idea that we have to choose between science and Christianity, that you can't be a scientist and a Christian? Have they not heard of these amazing, incredible Bible-believing scientists that are making huge impacts in the world. Right? Whenever I have students tell me, uh, I'm not a Christian, I believe in science, I say, yeah, me too. I believe in science too. In fact, we even teach science at this school. Right? To think that, we, that these things are in conflict blows my mind. And one thing I remember reading is David Kinneman from the Barna Research Group, wrote a book called You Lost Me. And in his chapter on science, he talked about how he interviewed youth pastors and students. And there was something like over 50% of students wanted to go into a science-related field, yet less than 1% of youth pastors had talked about science in the last year in youth group. And so the fact that we do not talk about this and we allow our culture to pit science against Christianity and we never address these issues and show our students how science and faith can go together and do go together. In fact, science points to the existence of God. We allow them to be deceived by our culture and think that they have to pick rather than introducing them to scientists and astrophysicists and these incredible people that uh, many names just come to mind of, of books that I've read recently. Jonathan Wells, Stephen C. Meyer, Hugh Ross, Fuzz Rana, these guys from the Discovery Institute, Reasons to Believe, and all these different scientific ministries. Man, we, we can't let our students continue to follow the lie that science and faith are not compatible. Another reason I think that 
students don't feel like they fit in is is there's a lot of talk happening. And, and again, this is in the book, You Lost Me, where we are not properly tapping in, maybe is the right way to say it, into the student's creative abilities in church. And if a student is creative, we say, well, you can, you know, run the PowerPoint or you can play in the worship team, but they want to do more uh, with video editing and all this sort of stuff. And, and we sometimes can, can make the church feel like a place where, you know, maybe these creative talents are not um, as acceptable. And there's people a lot, I'm not super involved in this world because I'm not a creative person uh, by any means. I need, I need the help from the creative people. But I have, I'm in conversations a lot with people where they, where they tell me that there is this lack within the church and, and that they are working. Uh, musicians are working at trying to find ways to bring this creativity and, and show young Christians that they can use their creative talents uh, within the church and for the kingdom of God. I also think that there's another reason why young people, uh, why, are, why millennials have the lowest level of church attendance of any generation. And when I ask my students, why, what reasons do people give for not wanting to go to church? It, also, it all comes down to this idea of personal autonomy. And this is a secular viewpoint where we only do what we want to do and whatever makes us happy. And so here you have church falling on a Sunday morning, generally, where a high school, you're asking a high school student to give up a quarter of their weekend. An entire Sunday morning, they have to give up to go to a church. And that is not what they generally want to do or what all of them want to do. Uh, you're asking them to sit through a service that they may see as boring. You're asking them to do things that they don't want to do. And our, and our culture tells us we only do what we want to do. We, we don't do the things that we don't like doing. We only do what makes us happy. You know, follow this happiness, and then that's when you're, you're, you'll be happy when you're doing what you want to do. And so we kind of allow this picture to maybe this mindset to overcome them where, hey, you just do what makes you happy. And if this doesn't make you happy, then just leave or don't, you don't have to come or whatever it may be. We may not even be saying that, but that's the picture that they're getting. And so I want to show young people that it's not just about doing what makes us happy. Now, I am very happy going to church. And I think that when we have a correct view of Christianity, we will see why church is important and why we should want to be there. And that it's not suffering through this boring service, but it's actually a celebration that we have the opportunity to worship and love our creator and be in a community and do that. And I think that when we help students understand the importance of Christianity in their own lives, then that can change their mindset. Another fact that we are a shift that we're seeing in our culture is that among those who do attend church in high school, only about 30% maintain a similar level of commitment in their 20s. And so we're seeing a lot of young people walk away from the church. And when asked about this, most young people state an intellectual doubt, that there were questions that just were never answered, that there are things that were not addressed, that they saw this conflict between science and faith, that they wanted to go into the scientific field and they couldn't be a Christian anymore. And so there are a lot of intellectual reasons. They, they don't see the evidence for the existence of God. They don't, they don't ever hear about why the, the belief in the resurrection makes sense. And we're just not giving them this information. 
Now, there are a lot of students who have an emotional rejection, a volitional rejection. They just want to do other stuff. But I remember a quote by J. Warner Wallace when he was uh, a youth pastor. And he said something to the effect of, I don't have it written down, but he said, "If, if a young person graduates from high school and they leave the church because they just want to do something else, that's on them. That's their free choice. But if they leave the church after graduating because they don't think Christianity is true, he said, that's on me. And I think that's huge, that we need to take the responsibility on ourselves. And I want to make sure that every single student that leaves my classroom at least knows that Christianity is true and has been presented reasons. And so if they want to choose to leave because they'd rather live a different kind of lifestyle, that's on them. But if they leave still not even aware or even fully understanding of the truth of Christianity with a bunch of unanswered questions, then that's on me. And I have to take that responsibility. And so I do this because I don't want to see young people leave the church. I'm hoping to get a couple interviews uh, that talk about this coming up, but I've talked to youth pastors. I've talked to high school teachers that have invested in doing theology and worldview and apologetic training with their students before graduating. And I asked them this question. Statistics say that 60 to 80% of young people leave the church in their 20s. After your training, when the students graduate from your ministry or your school, what do you see? And now twice I've had them say in, in the times that I've had these conversations with a pastor and a teacher that the numbers are opposite, that 80% stay in the church and 20% still leave. And all that to say is this works. This is huge. It obviously is not a fix all. Just talk about apologetics and everyone is saved. No. But when we are able to teach students in a way that flips those statistics around, that 80% stay in the church, man, that is huge. And we need to keep doing it and presenting Christians with the truth. We see in our culture that um, here's another statistic. Only one in 20 families engage in any spiritual training outside the church. We talked about this a couple weeks ago when I uh, discussed the privatization of faith. We as Christians allow other worldviews to influence the way that we do Christianity. You know, most secularists, maybe I shouldn't say most, secularists will say that something to the extent of, you know, it's fine if you want to believe in God as long as it stays in your private life. You know, this idea of you, if you want to believe in this fairy tale, if you want to believe in this, you know, invisible friend type of thing, as long as that stays inside your house, you know, I'll just kind of see you as crazy. But you don't bring that into the public life. Do not bring your craziness into the public square. Do not try and influence politics or our culture with these crazy ideas. And now Christians would not agree that they are crazy ideas, but I think that we do see that or hear that 
And without even thinking about it, our faith has become very private. And I've discussed this before, and so I won't go into it. But, you know, if you ask someone about their faith and how's their spiritual life, they're going to tell you about their personal devotion, their private prayer life, uh, something of that sense. If you ask someone, tell me about your spiritual life, tell me about your faith, and they started telling you about their job. Oh, work went really well today. I was able to, you know, close this deal and meet with these companies and whatever. We would think that that's very weird. Because I th- we just have this idea that our faith is something that's private. It's, it's played out in my private life, and it's my personal relationship with God. And it isn't affecting our culture as much as it should. And so we see things like 1 in 20 families engage in any spiritual training outside the church. We just aren't getting out of the church and furthering our training. The last thing that I think that this is affecting young people and what thing we're seeing in our culture is that it says one out of four adolescents in the United States is currently at serious risk of not achieving a productive adulthood, meaning holding down a job, creating stable families, or making a positive contribution to their community. And I spent a lot of time on this with my students because we live in a, in a different culture with information, with technology, where students are used to being on their phones for, with social media And we see this epidemic of people just on their phones in their own little private world. And just go out to dinner and look at the people around you and look at the tables around you and how many of them have people just sitting there on their phones. And what we see is that this is causing young people to lose certain skills at being able to hold conversations, look people in the eye and build relationships. We also have this idea that I just mentioned about personal autonomy, that I do what makes me happy. Well, what's the first thing that, you know, we get to a new job, we start working it, and there's only a certain matter of time where something happens that upsets us. Or there's something about that job that we don't like. And the question is, are we teaching our young people to push through difficult situations to fight hard for something, to work hard, and to see hard work pay off? Or do we allow the culture to influence them that you just need to do what makes you happy? And if it's upsetting you, if it's too difficult, there's going to be this job out there that's better. Just and this quit and move on to the next job. And this is causing them to not hold down jobs. We, we give things out very quickly, right? There's the trophy for that everyone is a winner and we give out sometimes grades and these things easy to students and then they get into a job where it doesn't come easy and then they feel like a failure that they are not prepared that they can't do it no it isn't that they can't do it it's that they just have to work hard for it but sometimes they haven't learned that lesson this also affects families right where it's not easy to have a family. It's not easy to be married. There's going to be conflict. There's going to be difficulties. And we have to teach people and help them see the importance of pushing through. And so as I wrap up, I I just want to say I have enjoyed the last year of podcasting, almost two years of blogging, as the my speaking starts to hopefully start uh, picking up a little bit 
and getting speaking opportunities. I, I do what I do because I want to influence today's youth. I want to see our young people go into the culture and hold down jobs. I just talked to a business guy who said his company now stopped hiring millennials because they just can't do the work. They can't sit down at meetings and have face-to-face conversations. And he told me stories of, of people that he's had to let go because of this. And I went into my class and I said, I, I want to see you prove our culture wrong. I want you to be the people. I want you to be the young people who can hold down jobs. I want you to be the young people who can create stable families. I want you to be the people who can maintain a strong relationship in God, even though the culture is pushing against it, even though the culture is becoming more against Christianity and that freedom of religion, that you can stand up for the truth, even when it doesn't make you feel good, even when it may not make you happy, but you do it because it's true. That is the generation that I want to see stand up in our culture and make a difference. And so that is why I love doing what I do and maybe helping in little ways, helping young people see the truth of Christianity. This is Ryan Polly, Coffee House Questions. Have a blessed day. Won't hesitate to follow your love.